keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your Yep, it's day two of our 90-day challenge. Welcome to Worship in 66. Today's topic is the aroma of worship. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Genesis 8, 1 through 21. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days the water had gone down, and on the seventeenth day of the seventh month the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the tenth month, and on the first day of the tenth month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After forty days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. That ends our reading for this morning. My worship thought is titled again, The Aroma 
of worship. There is so much we can learn about worship from Noah's life. Firstly, Noah built a solution out of season, an ark, for a problem that had not yet happened, rain. His story proves that whenever God trusts us with something big, it often comes out of season. Yet and still, God says build. Secondly, Noah focused on building, not boasting. If you read Noah's entire account, Genesis 5 through 9, you will discover that Noah never said a word because he understood that obedience doesn't require our opinion. Thirdly, Noah made more moves and less announcements. Instead of talking about what he was going to do, he put more energy into getting it done. Noah also knew his lane. He didn't exhaust energy doing things God never asked him to do. God didn't tell Noah to chase cats or create a marketing plan to persuade animals to board the ark. No, God told Noah to build. And after Noah built it, God brought them. I'll say it again. God brought what Noah needed, animals, after Noah brought what God asked for, an ark. Noah's life teaches us not to be distracted by the things God isn't asking us to do. Instead, learn to develop what you can and depend on God for what you can't. On day one of Worship in 66, we learn the importance of beginnings. We now know that first things matter. It matters who you speak to when you first wake up. It matters how you first engage God and people. Just listen to people around you talk for five minutes. I promise you, you will discover if someone is God-fearing, people-pleasing, happily married, sadly single, self-absorbed, or money-hungry based on what they say or do first. But Noah post-flood was the real MVP. His heart toward God was evident from start to finish. Here is some context. Most preachers emphasize on how the flood lasted for 40 days. So we assume that Noah got in the ark on day one and left the ark on day 40. But the Bible does not say that. When you calculate all the days of the flood, starting with Noah's entry and exit date, Noah and his family remained on that stinky ark with animals and no working toilets for approximately 371 days. After the rain descends and the flood ceases, Noah steps onto dry ground and builds God an altar first. Now, be honest. What would you have done first? Noah didn't throw a party. Noah didn't wash clothes. I'm pretty sure I would have wanted to take a walk and inhale some fresh air. But Noah does none of that. The first thing he does is build an altar. His was the first altar in all of scripture. What is an altar? An altar is a structure upon which offerings were made for religious purposes. In the scriptures, there were over 400 references to altars. Its first mention is found with your boy Noah in Genesis 8 and 20. Not only did Noah build an altar, but he also gave the Lord an offering. In so doing, a beautiful fragrance ascended to the Lord. And moments later, God says, never again. Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. What a marvelous offering that must have been. The kind that sends such a potent aroma into the nostrils of God that it causes him to place a period 
where there once sat a comma. I said all of that to say this, worship has an aroma. I think we already know that worship has a sound, but did you also know that worship has a scent? Worship is an earthly fragrance that pleases God and a beautiful aroma mixed with two key ingredients, obedience and sacrifice. The scent of true worship is intoxicating to God. Our utmost goal as worshipers is to become a fragrance God wants to smell. How do we do that? By baptizing in the waters of God's word, by allowing God full access into every part of our lives, even the parts we try to hide, by soaking in God's presence through prayer and by flushing any contaminants that might lead to destruction, dissatisfaction or delay. With that in mind, I want to give you your worship work today. Again, worship work is not works righteousness. We don't get an A if we do it and an F if we don't. But worship work is one of the ways we make practical the theological. Your worship work today is find a space in your house or at work and make it a sacred space. Pick one of your favorite scented candles and light it. As you smell this fragrance, remember God's presence. The aroma of worship is about offering something fresh and pure in light of this. Also examine everything around you that smells foul. Clean it or discard it. The goal is to become a living scent that pleases God. Let's pray. Holy One of Israel, hide us in holiness until there is no trace of our unworthiness. Remind us of your sacrifice so that our small acts of surrender will pale in comparison to your ultimate act of redemption. Flower our faith with beauty everlasting so that when we offer up our lives, you will be pleased with the aroma you smell. Make us your favorite fragrance. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you thirst for a drink from
Tell the world of the treasure you found 